supposed to take the makers off the table, but it's oh, all it's too late now. Might as well take. A I sip. did not see that coming. Oh my it's God. the lore. It's the mystique of it all. We're still doing it. We haven't been cut off yet. Oh shit! Good job, buddy. Nice job, Daniel. Keep that rod bent. Keep that rod bent. I mean, people used to get so scared of them, they had to shoot them. Yeah, that's true. But because you literally can't stop thinking about it, you know, you haven't, you can't scratch the itch enough. Welcome back to another episode of the Spot Burden Podcast. Today, you got Josh and Dan in the studio with a special guest, Mr. Andy Farrow from Farrow Marine. Here to talk all things boats. We're excited. We got a lot to cover. So we're going to dive right in. But first, quick sponsor plug. Big shout out to Cortland Line Company, sponsoring the podcast since the very beginning. And today's episode, as you might have guessed, is brought to you by Farrow Marine, Lund Boats, and Mercury Motors. Andy. How's it going? Welcome, fella. Thank you. This is probably not the request you were expecting for the new year, but we're <laughs> glad you're here, man. Hey, New Year's start. Let's, uh, let's go to a good start and have fun. Good, good, good. Well, we're excited to, to dive in. The big topic, I think, today, uh, we want to get into boats, especially off-season prep, winterizing, maintenance. What are some of the things you, as a boat dealer, um, kind of see from your role? So we're going to cover a lot of ground, but first, I guess, give us the short How'd you get into it? How, where did Faro Marine come to be? You know, the yeah, quick and dirty. How'd you guys start slinging boats? We're second generation. Um, honestly, it just started out as a, a fun business for my parents. They wanted to get into boating with racing boats and buy them cheaper for themselves and became a Baja boat dealer. And then we just kind of started off taking different brands, selling them. And uh, Lund came to us as an option in 2005, and we took it. And it's been an amazing brand to go with. Um, you know, and that, that's kind of the start of it, and I'm second generation running it, so I absolutely love it. I love being with the customers and getting them on the water. Yeah, hell yeah. And uh, you do a little bit of boating yourself. Do you fish at all? I do a little bit of fishing if I'm out with my kids. My yep. brother's a huge fisherman, cool. especially muskie, so um, I'm sure you've seen him in your chat before. But I think so. He's, yeah. uh, he's big into that, so he'll go out with me and the kids and take us and show us the ways on that stuff. Uh, I boat. I have a little Baja boat. I custom built. So that's yeah, last time I was time. in there, you were you were getting closer and closer. How's that project uh, going? I had it on the water four times this summer. So there's some testing to be done still, but uh, it, it's fun. We'll Dang. Put it that way. How fast those boats go usually? Uh, the summer I only hit 45, but uh, there's some tweaks. It's a so. tiny little boat to be going 45. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it. It feels it? fast on the water. For <laughs> yeah, sure. it's a custom haul. I mean, it's 100 percent custom. So dang. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and what do you guys, uh, you could do a little bit else, not just the boats as well, right? Ferro. We have Ferro uh, Heating, too. Yeah. Uh, my brother runs that side of our company, uh, family operated, too, though. My parents are involved fully yep. in both of them. So, but so he you runs got boats, you got HVAC. He got Lucky HVAC. you. Yeah, I get the fun job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it's actually funny because uh, he was just out there a couple weeks ago. We had to get the furnace and the AC unit replaced. So appreciate you guys on all fronts. Yeah, I appreciate it back. Yeah, and, and uh, just a little background. Andy and I started, uh, I came into his shop kind of in a, a state of disrepair, had a, a boat deal not go so well um finally was able to get out of that one long story short but we Andy, rushed it quick. We yeah got it. we got a brand new boat in short order it's sweet we we put a lot of fish in it this summer this fall i, I love every second of it so we're going to talk a little bit about picking out new boats and what to look for and like how to get into it but i think the main thing we want to talk about from us as anglers and folks that are getting boats from you what should we be doing this time of year as we as we in winter in Wisconsin, you know, you got to put the boats away. I think the winterizing gets thrown out. 
Based on what we see, uh, no one really seems to know what that means. They all just say we winterize our boats. And for some people, that means just put it behind the house and put a tarp over it. And yep. other, so kind of from your perspective, I'd love to hear your initial thoughts on that. Well, what does know, that mean to you, winterizing? It, it, winterize to me means, you know, changing engine oil, lower unit gear, lube, stabilizing fuel, you know, getting it ready to be in spring, fire up, turnkey go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you want to put a boat away for winter, you're not, you don't want to leave it in a state. It's dirty. It's filthy. Uh, it does, you want it dry. You don't want it wet. Um, if you're going to store it outside, you want to shrink wrap it, put waterproof tarps over it, um, stuff like that. People who let it deteriorate, rot, um, that's when you get issues and you have problems with your boat. So mm-hmm. if you take care of it, it's going to last longer in the long run. So winterizing is a whole process to take care of it, get it going. Certain dealers only do certain sides. Um, we do the engine side of it. We don't do the detail clean side of it. But as a consumer, that's something you want to look at doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, dirty on the outside, wipe it off. If that stuff sits on it all winter, it's going to be caked into the paint. You know, it's going to be harder to get cleaned off. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, stuff like that, it's just maintaining that, right? Basic maintenance. You have a car. Um, I know a car is an everyday option, unlike a boat. But a, a car, you clean it, you detail it, you keep it clean because you're in it all the time. Um, your boat should be the same way. You're, you're putting an investment into it. You should treat it that way. Yeah. Yep. When you're winterizing these boats, what's the biggest difference between a four-stroke platform and a two-stroke platform? The biggest one's the oil change. Uh, big thing with outboards is they're all self-draining. So when you talk winterizing, you could, yes, just trim it down, let the water drain out, and put it away. The problem is if your engine has condensation in it from the winter or water got in oil or you're lowering a gear lube and freezes and cracks, now you have internal concerns you won't know about till spring. Now mm-hmm. you're going to go fire it up, get on the lake the first time you're stranded in the middle of the water. You're calling someone from a tow, and you're bringing it in dust for a lot bigger bill. Okay. And especially maybe if you're – I know I was – doing it this year using the boats i mean literally until a couple days ago yeah and like we have people that run where it's year a round rough. um but you still want to you know coming into cold you know freezing you want to make sure that stuff's changed and if you're going to use it during winter months definitely be checking your oil and stuff for water in it because that's when you're going to run into issues okay i mean they're meant to your run around in all types of weather that's not going to hurt the engine itself it's just you don't want the internal freezing from anything right okay is there like a temperature you recommend not running these boats in? Is it, I mean, obviously, when the water Outboard's is hard, it gets real, a little yeah. difficult. But. I was going to say, I mean, they, they run them in Alaska year-round. Yeah. I mean, they barge them through ice, right, so right. Mm-hmm. they can literally run in, you know, 32-degree water. As long as it's not ice, they can yeah. run. And actually, the engines run cooler that way, probably run a little better. Right. Talk us through kind of just unpacking the details a little bit. Let's start with, like... Uh, checklist or couple of the, the three most important things like as far as the motor goes when we're talking about winterizing you rattled off a few earlier but for people that you know literally just got their brand new boat have no idea um you know what to do or have had issues with their boat yep. starting up in spring and they want to you know avoid that what what would you recommend uh, like the biggest one, honestly, is running stabilizers through the system, getting good stabilized fuel in the system so you don't get any breakdowns, uh, especially if you're running ethanol-based fuels. That ethanol over winter will just dry up, make it really hard to start. So uh, it is best to run non-ethanol fuels. Uh, if you don't, at least run a treatment for ethanol inside your fuel at the same time. Okay. Um, just throughout the Throughout, throughout the, the year. season yep. is yep. best, especially yep. if you're running ethanol fuel. Yep. Um, Another big one, I guess, is just making sure, again, everything's clean, dry. Um, you don't want it wet under the cowling so it can condensate and start corroding wiring or anything like that. Um, a big one is disconnecting your battery when you get it there. You don't necessarily need to remove it from the boat, but at least just disconnect it. Um, negative terminal is always best, but it doesn't matter. Just disconnect it. Um, that way you're not 
drawing residual power. So if there is a surge spike or a lightning storm, it doesn't take out more issues. Sure. Um, so it's just a way to prevent further issues that could happen. Okay. On the battery side of things, just to jump to that quick, what are you, what's the, what are you recommending for that in terms of have the, like what's the most ideal situation have it plugged in kind of on residual power um, all winter if, if you, you have a good that. onboard charger you could do that um indoor i i don't ever recommend leaving something outside where you can't see it or get to it um, plugged in you mm -hmm. just don't know what's going on right, inside right. mouse chews on a connection or something weird you don't want to have that issue um but yeah i, I tell people you know a month before you're going to use them take them out charge them up you know and then a week or two before you're going to use them put them on a trickle charger and just kind of let them maintain for a while uh, you don't want to boil them, so you don't want to keep them charging on like a normal charger and let them heat up. You really want to kind of keep them at a low low charge. Yep, yep. Even a trickle charger, unplug that throughout the Yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally don't leave any electricity plugged in year-round, mm -hmm. uh, cars, boats, anything. I mean, it's always, anytime mm -hmm. there's electricity plugged in, there's always a chance for electrical surge. Sure, okay, so. makes sense. And you're... And again, the battery, I mean, say that charger fails and the diode just allows constant power and it doesn't shut off like it's supposed to. Now you're boiling your battery. You have two issues. You can boil out and burn out your battery. Uh, first time you start, you can start a fire because the, corro the corrosion on the wires will be so bad it'll actually ignite and start fire. So, you, yeah, you really want to make sure you charge batteries as slow as possible. Does that, make, does that change any recommendations as like the big push to lithiums? I'm sure you're seeing a lot of that in the new boats. Um, factories are starting to regulate lithiums and allow them. Um, they're not recommended, but they're starting to allow them. At least for, for starting, starting batteries. Yeah, for yeah. starting batteries. Okay. Um, I think that'll be a change in the future. Definitely. Yeah. Lithium will be a way. It's lighter. It's more powerful. Uh, I still, you know, with electronics, it's hard. It's a kind of a consumer tale. They're very expensive. They're supposed to last longer. Uh, I'm still failure rate is what happens an Altera trolling motor. You're in stow mode and that trigger clicks that it drops below the 32 volt, 36 volts you're running or 24 volts you're running. The trolling motor's smart enough it's going to stop itself. And those trolling motor batteries can't give it any power to stow it. So now you got to reset the whole thing and go through this process or charge it to finish it. A, a lead acid battery you'll know it's starting to die because you'll hear it so you can kind of telltale yourself it, to start it. it yep so there's not that trigger point yet with lithium yep. it's it's now it's, it's off 99 percent okay. yep. to zero yeah. yep you know they shut off at 60 percent battery life yeah. or whatever it is you definitely That's get very more good point. you get more battery life it seems just having used them but i, I have not encountered that and, and it's more consistent power i'll agree with yes. that you know it's it's 12 volts at all times right. it's not 12.1 or 11.9 it's 12 volts consistent hmm. josh were you gonna ask a question oh no no i was just agreeing what about that. trailer stuff I feel like that's something I, I definitely seem to overlook come winter time. Yeah, I'm more I focused think a lot on the boat and the, the motor. Um, you know, checking and filling your tires, you want to make sure they're stored full, not empty, because uh, they'll dry crack from being like folded over, mm -hmm. bent up. So you don't mm -hmm. want that to happen. Your bearings, you want to make sure they're greased inside. So even if you have greasable ones, just put a couple pumps in, make sure that if there's water, ale come out. Um, or B, you're putting fresh grease in there to keep stuff from corroding at least. Okay. Um, you know, trailers are a thing that. If you're a person who hauls a lot, you should be repacking your bearings, you know, every three to four years probably. Um, if you're a light traveler local, you should probably do it every eight years roughly. But, um, you know, those are internal things you can't grease, so they just naturally go right. bad. And then just overall checking yeah. connection points and, then and lights, lights and, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know, the switched LED lights is huge because you don't have to unplug them from your vehicle. Right. They don't trigger safe anymore, which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, 
so that's been good, but the people still running the old bulb trailers, mm. you know, got to make sure you unplug them mm-hmm. from your vehicle yep. backing in. Is it good practice to jack up those trailers if they're going to be sitting for a while and put them on blocks so you don't get it flat can't spots? Hurt. Yeah, or? it can't hurt on the tires or, you know, okay. if it's somewhere where you can at least roll it back, you know, every month go out and pull it forward a foot or something, you know, move it back and forth here. That works too. Okay. But yeah, definitely, you know, it's either block it up or kind of, you know, cover the tires um, again, with protecting them, you know, whether it's armor all or something like that, keep them nice and moist. You don't want them to dry out. Okay. You talked about um, damp, wet, getting rid of that. I think it's like the most obvious and also the most consistent problem you're going to run yeah. into as a boat owner. You know, I'm just thinking like late season, you just got snowed on, but you're out in your boat. Having you a know, blast. Well, and, yeah, exactly. Hopefully, if you're catching <laughs> muskies. What do, you, what do you recommend for just on your side of things to make that process a little bit easier to dry it out. I mean, outside of, you know, I just typically get back, put it in the garage, open up all the compartments. Yeah. That's if a big one. Put a fan on it, put a fan on it. Like but that. sometimes it feels like there's just cracks and crevices that you can't seem to dry out. You know, it's hard with, with, with most boats, fishing boats, a big one, at least you can get like a shop vac out, you know, yeah. get, get some of the water out of the carpet. If it's a real bad, right. Or, or the live wells just have a little um, bit. But yeah, the biggest there. one is opening everything up, drying it out as best as you can, letting it air dry naturally, taking it in the garage. You may have to put your vehicle outside for a night or two, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, if you have a fan can get a fan on it and that's always great. Help dry it out quicker. What do you think most people are not doing or are they just not doing any of this? Like when you see. I mean, if they come to you, you guys are going to do it the biggest, the one, best way. But most yeah. people, I feel like, are just putting them away. Most people, I feel like, just literally put the stabilizer in the fuel and then, like, run it down a hose and throw it in the garage and say it's good or throw it out back with a tarp over it or even the boat cover. Not even a tarp, just the boat cover. Those are not meant to handle snow and rain and crap, you know, for long-term periods. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want a UV tarp or something over it. Okay. And that's where shrink wrapping comes in. You know, we offer shrink wrapping. We can make it so you can travel with it. It's tied down to your trailer, so you can oh, put it on the side of your house. Yep. We offer blue, white, and clear, so you can do it in different, you know, So you don't necessarily have to store your boat somewhere for you Correct. can store it Correct. You don't have to pay lot. us to store it, but right. you can still wrap it and have it nice and sealed. We put vents in it, so through time, as moisture and stuff goes, it can vent out. Uh, if you want a window in it, we can put a window, which gives you access in and out of your boat, so you can get in and out of it. Um, Interesting. You, know, you guys do a lot of tricks. just winterizing and storage yeah 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 we do a lot of inside outside storage uh we have a lot of like pontoon rack storage customers no trailers live on the lake or something um and then we have a lot of people that you know just bring them to us for outside storage um what about when we kind of pulling it forward when you go to take the boat out of storage for the year you mentioned that a little bit earlier get the battery up to charge what else is kind of good yeah, or is, is it, if, again, you did it, if you did tires, the job right, it should yeah. be ready to go. It should be, but, you know, again, I'm rechecking my tires, making sure they're good on oils, or, right. you know, grease, um, making sure the they're basics, I would call yeah, those you know, the basics. Go back over, yeah. put your battery hooked up, make sure that's good to go. Um, once you got that, though, I mean, most of the time I fire it up at the shop or on a hose first just to make sure it's running before I go. You know, if you're at your house, you can throw it on a hose with an earmuff system. It's 10 bucks to buy, mm-hmm. you know. That way you know it's going to start when you get to the water. You're not going to get to the water and be like, hey, it's not starting, right? Makes the trip even worse. If you know it's running before you go, at least you can make the call to get it fixed and you're not ruining the day going into the water with hopes of everyone being happy to have to come back to calling someone. Never done that before. (laughs) It's always so stressful. The first outing out, you're so excited. You invite all your buddies and then the boat just farkles on your day. And yep. you just look like the, the legendary asshole. Of like, <laughs> yeah. thanks, everyone. Could have brought my boat. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's always the one too, you know, and they take it out and they're like, yeah, I hooked everything up, doesn't start, can't do anything. And you go out there and they bring it to the shop and, you know, the lanyard's off or, you know, never turn the battery switch Master on. Master power so, switch yeah, is out. Yeah. You know, simple. Key's not, it's not even the right key. It's the glove box key and it's not even turning, you know. Like and they're just calling simple. you yeah. like, Andy, get out here. This thing doesn't work. You winterized it. Uh, you know, it's like, well, hold on. Let's check yep, these out. And yep. you know, most of the time it's super something simple like that, but it, it's always some fun stories. Yeah. What other horror stories you probably got? When I mean, have you ever had anyone come by a boat and be calling you within the week and be like, it's... It's on land. I drove it. I, uh, it's ruined. Uh, we had one guy who picked one up. He was taking it to New York or somewhere. Um, and literally within like 10 miles of leaving, he blew an axle on it. He hit a spe- uh, like a pothole or something. Mm. Um, insurance wouldn't cover it because it was like a, like a, like a deliberate thing i guess they called it so that was a no pretty shit. interesting he had one. a record uh, or something of doing it was a pretty interesting one so then you know you get involved in him uh-huh. uh-huh. um you know we've had i've seen people how many people not put hall plugs in their boats you know get going out and all of a sudden they're coming back and you got some of the bucket shooting water out of a fishing boat and you'll see that at every boat landing ramp. in madison <laughs> yeah. in spring yeah or the the people i've uh the worst was the lady who unhooked the trailer from the vehicle not the boat from the trailer Oh, so to and, put the boat in the water. Yeah, and it was a big cuddy cabin boat. Oh. So the whole boat How do you trailer. Even do that? It went into the water. Put the pedestal, the, the the jack up while it's inclined. Yeah, it was bad. So in the whole thing, no, because the boat's in the water, so it's already got the point on it, mm-hmm. and it was heavier. So as soon as she unlatched the latch, the whole thing just popped off. The whole trailer rolled into the water. So then she was, the husband was trying to drive the boat up on the trailer to get the tongue out while the wife was trying to back it. They switch. It was the nightmare. Oh my gosh. I can't even picture that. It sounds so bad. <laughs> so eventually I ended up, we just had to tie the boat to the pier like you yep, normally yep, would yep. far enough up. So the hitch was out and then hook it up. So it wasn't yeah. moving. On. It was. That's a smart way to approach that scenario yeah. for sure. So it's got to it be just, it, what's the feeling like when someone drives off the lot and you're like, I have no idea if you can drive a trailer, back a trailer, let alone put this thing in the water. I and- mean, you were there when we, when you pull your boat out of our shop, we have two big concrete poles on the middle bay and I stand at the left one where you can see me and I tell you, go straight until I give you a thumbs up to turn left. Yeah, that There's comes from experience. You see how many people though that like, they'll literally <laughs> start driving and turn out and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, There's a corner here. You can't turn like you normally would. <laughs> You got to go further around now. And. Yeah, I mean, I see it at the boat landings where I'm like, your plan for the day was to show up, put your boat in, and drive it around the lake, and you never once thought, yeah. how do we get the boat in the water? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it gets a ramp. I could sit at a ramp all day and just people watch. Yeah. I bet we'd all be millionaires if we just sat at a ramp. Well, that's what Boat Fails is. I people. think that's my guilty pleasure. On like, That's my my internet pleasure. I just love Boat Fails because it just <laughs> makes me happy inside. <laughs> you know, when, when you're at the launch and you're trying to go fishing, it's usually the opposite feeling. But when, when you're, you're the watching, person who hasn't done it yet, yeah. you think you know everything. Yeah, I had know. someone this year just show up and they just like, they saw me. I just pulled my boat in, like to park and be done and go like pack it up and leave. And they just came right up to me, handed me the keys, and were like, will you, will you back my boat in? I was like, like, in your car? Like, yeah, do you mind? And I was just, I think, so, like, belaggered from the day. I just got in the car and backed it in and I've then, like, sent so them off. And I was just like, I thought about it. I was like, 
what's next? Like, how do you... I've had to stop people at ramps, like, from backing. Yeah. And be like, whoa, 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 I just let me do this for yeah. you. You're going to hit someone. Like, it's been times where yeah. they're up on the ramp. You, you know, just, they just you give them the keys the back, pier. too, and you're like, uh, uh, good luck, guys, I <laughs> yeah. guess. So good luck getting it back I on. I got it in, pull it out, but yeah. from here on out, you're on your own, so. Mm. Oh, boy. And there's some brutal ramps, I'll say that. There's some ramps that are yes. not easy to back up at. Yep. Um, you know, big ones, Marshall Park's a great yep. one. Warner Park's a great yep. one. You get into some of the tiny, like tiny locks and that big UE. I mean, some of those are hard. You can't get straight. If you got oh, a big I love boat, seeing it at Winger. That's my favorite, where you get a big boat at Winger and they've never backed it in before, and yeah. you just like get out of lawn chair. Yeah. There's one one road here. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. It just blows my mind how. People, you just get in a fifty thousand dollar plus boat, and then uh, away we go. A boat is just boating. Like it's just it's a let's, car. Let's go, yeah, let's get a boat. We'll all be able to go <laughs> use it. It's like no, you should have to have a boat. Everyone should have to take. I agree. hundred percent. I agree. Well, let's get back to maintenance a little bit. Um, as we go, we're kind of bleeding into it, but like I guess throughout the season, one one area I wanted to ask you about was trolling motors and electronics. Mm-hmm. More so, I would guess. Uh, I mean, the, the stuff I'm replacing or looking at is my trolling motors. Not necessarily the helixes, you know, you got to do software updates, but those are usually pretty self maintained. Yeah, most of it is. Um, you know, every once in a while they change product or do stuff. Mancota did just do a huge release on the trolling motors. Um, the What's Qu- that called? The new Quest? The Quest. Have you yeah. got your hands on those yet? Not yet. Uh, so, first of the year, they're supposed to start shipping. So, I should get them in the next couple weeks here, hopefully. Hmm. Uh, but Looks pretty sweet. The new features. Sweet. Going uh, brushless. Uh, you get the two props or whatever. You yeah, get two, two prop, prop options. It gets better, you know, longer control of battery life, quieter. Um, some of the features, like a new remote. Yeah, and you um, can, like, I think I saw you can... Uh, you can like be on follow contour and it can like bump off follow contour, but then resume like just some yep. little like user interface with the Yeah, with the so they iPilot. eliminated like in the old days you had the puck you had a mount for the trolling. That's all gone. It's all built in now. All oh tro- no, so you don't need a puck. Motors are iPilot link comp- compatible. So they just have the dongle and the head now. All you have to do is hook in. You don't need a heading sensor or anything? No, none of that. It's all built in. That makes sense. Um the base unit though did get wider and longer where it like mounts. gets mounted on the bow or so it looks a little bulkier. They cleaned it up, but it looks bulkier. And then still similar Altrex, Altera, Trova models? Or yeah, Trova, Altera, and Altrex. For, or, uh, Trova and Altera for right now. They'll be doing the Altrex and the other ones. They revamped the old units, too, so you can still get the old-style units. They revamped them. They look different, but they are still making the yeah. older units. There's always that in the fishing, boating world. Uh, but this does release the first Trova that puts a mega side imaging transducer in it, finally, because you had to do Altera before. So that could be a game changer just because a lot of guys wanted side imaging before and yep. they didn't want to spend the $1,000 to get the That'll probably be Altera. one of the more popular. Mm-hmm. What do you guys sell the most of? I mean, like, and what do you kind of recommend on trolling motors now that we're on the um, topic? You know, for our real basic fishermen, the Trove ADUS 2 iPilot has yeah. been our bread and butter all day. Um, the Altera ADMSI iPilot link is probably one of the better if you want side imaging on it. You mentioned the Altera issue earlier yeah. of it, like, getting That's, stuck. Do you yeah. see that a lot, or is it no, just, bat- it's just that battery issue? That. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of the issues people had with Altera were user error. Not mm-hmm. that not that they were trying to deliberately do it or anything. Uh, the big thing was you couldn't have that boat moving forward at all when you're trying to stow it, right? Because it's got a sensor that feels pressure. 
So if you're trying to stow it and it your boat's the moving momentum. forward, yeah. it would come out of the water and slingshot and trigger that sensor and it'd lock itself. Mm-hmm. Or you had weeds on it and it came out with extra weeds and bounce did the same thing. So it's little things like that. With the Altair, you got to remember there's sensors in there. So you should trim it all the way up first, make sure it's clear. If it's clear, then stow it. Well, and I, the battery example too. I think I wonder how many of them are, are that where it's like your battery's just dead and now it's stuck. Correct, yeah. yeah. And like I said, I feel like lead bass, is you can tend to hear it more, feel it. You know, oh, if you, for sure. You can move sure. it to level 10 and it feels like it's at level mm-hmm. 5, you know mm-hmm. to stow it. Mm-hmm. Uh, lithium will be at level 10 and all of a sudden it's off. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no in between. So you don't kind of have like a fail safe on it. Mm-hmm. Are there any maintenance specific things on trolling motors that you should do? Like, uh, Especially the hard users. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're a guy who's using them year-round, you know, just cleaning it up is a huge thing, taking air cans and blowing it out, making sure there's no weeds and debris and junk stuck in it. Like um, under the control panels. Yeah, you know, where base. the tilt mechanisms, all yep. that kind of stuff. Maybe spray a little silicone spray in there, but you don't want to go crazy, you know, greasing much. Um, the shafts are not meant to be fully greased and stuff. They are a composite material meant for sliding like that uh by the way the new ones are carbon fiber built on the new on the shafts oh, wow. that's gonna, so, i'm always surprised that some of those i've um, never seen one break higher torques they're uh-huh. saying so it's a whole new mounting bolt pattern new brackets new everything are they got anything else coming out new in terms of electronics from uh, no, and Dakota? Uh, like Helix units or reducers anything or anything like yeah. that no they're uh i mean your whole network stuff is getting a little easier um, but as far as they came out with a new five port box, uh, that's probably one of the biggest ones only from them. Now it lights up. So, you know, which network's reading. So you can tell if your locator or your trolling motor is actually connected to the network. The old ones were just all black. So you couldn't tell. So it's kind of more like a network switch. Now you can see if it's working. Okay. When you, when you rigging these and you're getting folks in new boats, are you seeing a lot more, uh, diversity amongst electronics? Are you seeing everyone, you know, going Lorance Hummingbird? Seems like in our I world, mean, in, you see a lot of Lorance Hummingbird. Hummingbird, Minkota for us. I mean, that's what we do 90% yeah. of, I would say. A little Garmin, maybe. Closer 95%. Um, I would say the other part is going to be Lorance and some Garmin mixed in there. Um, Minkota Hummingbird has been, you know, they're local. They're yeah. out of Minnesota and then um, Alabama or Arkansas for uh, Hummingbird. And they're, they've been good to work with. Yeah. I like having it all in one. I, you know, there's always like, well, they have a better live imaging and they have a better, and it's just, I think the Garmin simpler the better. I think forward is going to be a reckon, though. I yeah. watch them coming because some of their new technology it's is pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. Yeah. That's good to know. We'll keep our eyes out for that. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what do you, uh, where, where do you see like the boat? You guys do a lot of boat rigging, and I think that's like a, a part that yeah, I we do all over. It was done like so perfectly. I've seen some horror stories about how it's linked up to batteries. Do you kind of recommend that? Do you think it's kind of a little bit too complicated for the average person? I mean, if person? you're not a tech savvy person, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I pay, feel pay like I know my way around technology, and part, I was like, there's I think no you way. Hit it. You heard electricity in there before. I mean, you're playing with electricity, so if you don't know your volting and your amping and putting the correct fuses and inline stuff in there, I mean, you can cause issues with stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the you network, know, the, the heading sensor. Yeah, the, the biggest like, you guys part got, is making sure it's reading correctly and you know, everything's updated. So it's not just rigging. People think it's just the time to install. It's like an hour to install. No, it's not. You know, we have a half hour. We got to get the updates for it, update every unit. Cause even though it's brand new in a box from the factory, it's not updated. We mm-hmm. all know that. 
So, you know, we got to do all that stuff. Then we got to make sure the network's reading. They got to make sure their IPs are talking. You know, you can see the th everything across. Well, if just even the cabling, engine, just see, like yeah. getting the, the, the switch wherever it goes yep. and the, the, Different the bank cables, charger. Yep. You, know, you got to pre-plan it, right? Because you don't want to run every single cable individual when you got to run five to the front. So you got to pre-plan, all right, I need two 15s, a 20, and an Ethernet cable here so I can pull them all at once. And there's yeah. more that goes in. And then you got us, the people buying the boats, being like every other week we're probably like, Actually, I want another Helix 12. Uh, can, how many? What's the most I can have on the boat? Can I put one in every corner? Yeah, it's unlimited. Is what's the, the craziest answer. you've seen? Just someone go fully carried away? Uh, probably the biggest. I mean, most would probably be like two locate, two council units, two bow units, a unit in back, and then the guy had a Mega Live and a Mega 360 on it. I would say, our guys, you, you're going to start seeing, like, you see the bass market down south. They go crazy with their electronics. I mean, they're running five mega lives. They have right. seven screens. They're going crazy. That's working its way up here. It, I don't think it's here yet. Are you it's seeing just, like, way. in general, how many fishing boats that go out with mega live? Most of them? Half of um, them? Right now, I'd say mega live is still probably at, like, 30 to 40%. Yeah. Up here. Yeah. You get a lot of the, like, the true northern fishermen like us. They th a lot of people think it's cheating Mega Live. It's it's kind of a fight because no pro tournament yet is allowing it. I don't think. Um, not like Musky Bandit. And um, a lot of them banned it. So that's kind of yeah. been a big one. It's hard to we talked the about consumer that. to want to use it when they're not using it on the tours and stuff like that. Yeah, we talked about it on one of our earlier podcasts, like the dilemma around it, and mm -hmm. I think there's a little bit of that. You're right. You know, and don't want to use it, and then I I've just having used it, it's. It's a thing. It yeah, is. it's another thing on the list of things that you have to do to and use. And, and again, if you're if you're out musky fishing, right, and you can see that thing on a camera on a sonar live swimming, which way it's facing everything, and all you got to do is cast the lure right in front of its face and grab it. I mean, and obviously, it's not naturally going to bite every time, mm -hmm. but it's you know where the fish is in, in real hindsight. Even with side imaging, you shouldn't know that fish is there and which way it's facing and which way it's moving when you're reeling it in you can't see that so when you can see it the whole way it's not cheating it's it's fun but it also yeah i understand why the line is are, gray the line is gray it's, and it's yes. like well it's okay for crappies and then you just see them you know we don't really know if they're yeah. going out and just slaughtering I, crappies. I mean, we, you're hearing records get broke on fish you are on muskies and, and then you're also seeing mm. there are some studies going on we don't none of it's super conclusive right now but like on panfish populations yeah. of how many anglers are using it so it'll, we'll see. I don't well, think the jury's fishing, out. I mean, they make it work for ice fishing. Yeah. yeah. They, so, I mean, guys go drill one hole, drop it in, and scan around, and go, oh, they're all over there. Let's put go your hole over there. Put your over there, yep. You yep. know, so it's kind of, <laughs> before you had to use that hole, you didn't know they were 12 yeah. feet over to your right or your left. That's going to be the It does take the fun impact. out of it for me. And we're back from some <laughs> technical difficulties, folks. Gotta like, love technology. Yeah. GoPro got too hot. I haven't seen that one all year. Yep. I GoPros love it. Those aren't supposed to get hot. They're no, I know. Good. I know. Mm. It's on its little GoPro mount. But anyway, we won't bore you guys with that. Uh, we're going to get right back into it. Um, just rounding out on, I think, a couple other questions I had from like a maintenance perspective and then maybe get into some of the more picking out a, a new boat fun stuff. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about, hulls. And I think Lund does both fiberglass and aluminum hulls. Is there anything other than washing it 
we should uh, be looking at is this fiberglass the- definitely you want to do like a good wax clean you know a full clean on um, fiberglass has gel coat on the outside so it's kind of like a really really thick clear coat so the sun will etch into it and kind of deteriorate mm-hmm. it so you always want to put a good wax layer on that aluminum boats you can wax them if you want i mean they're single stage paint or clear coat just like your car um so you can wax them just like normal or, you know, at least wiping it down is a good sign, getting it nice and clean first. Check your rivets. Yeah. And go, go through it. The See aluminum one screws. anywhere, yep. anything yep. like that. Yeah. What do you, I think when you see people or you, I don't know if you guys do trade-ins or not, um, but when you see like the boats that leave your lot, go out into the world, your pretty little boat babies for the next year or two, mm-hmm. what do you see as the most... The, the maintenance hiccups, the people, things people just refuse to do, don't do. You know, um, you've mentioned a few, but honestly, if you boil it down to them, one, they just don't them. clean them. They don't maintain and clean them. They don't take care of them. You know, they bring them in for winterizing, and they're still live wells full of water or slimy, fishy water, or there's hooks and lures and the carpet everywhere. Rusted out. Sinkers in the floor. It's like, what are you guys doing? Like Brand new boats. You know, brand new boats. You're all, you know, the sides of them are so dock rashed up, like they never use bumpers and I mean, that's their own boat. They kind of, if they want, but I, I would think an investment you're spending, I don't mm-hmm. know how you, you buy a car and don't bump into things. Why would you want to buy a boat yeah. on purpose? Well, and I've had, we've both had the old used boats. They do have their benefits because yeah. you can bump them into things without worrying about anything. That is about the nice you. part about a used boat. Man, I remember that rolling the off the lot with the, the one I bought from you guys and it was like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to put it in the water. <laughs> yeah. First it's, per- it. it's sitting right there. There's nothing wrong with it yet. Shiny. Yeah. It ain't going anywhere yet. Yeah. You know, it's used boats are hard. They're good because of that aspect for people. But buying a used boat, it's always hard to understand what the other person's been and treated it. Have they, they winterized they it? it didn't yeah. they? And even as a dealer, we can't guarantee that stuff to you, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's hard as a dealer to, you know, customers want to buy them with a warranty, and it's hard because... You can check them over, but you really don't know. You can't what's... tell them. I can tell you how many hours it had on it. I had no faults. I had no history. It doesn't mean in, next time you take it out, it's not going to have something mm-hmm. go wrong. You know, mm-hmm. something we can't control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never had the... I, I got nervous this year when I pulled the pulled the new one off the lot because I was like, there's always something. Like, what what's going to be the first thing that, like, up. <laughs> oh, the seat flew off, or oh, you didn't tie down. You know, it was just something, and it turned out it was the GoPros. We went under a bridge, and uh, the GoPro stand was up, and the GoPros went to the bottom of Lake Monona. Oh boy, mm-hmm. <laughs> un- un- unrecoverable too with exposed <laughs> batteries. So I thought that was pretty good. It wasn't the cheapest fix, but it was like not on the boat technically. It was an no, accessory. We, I've had guy. I had one guy that literally told them as he drove out the building with a talon on the back. Now make sure when you get home, you trim the talon down to put it in the garage with a quick release. Just set it down. So- and we're back. Another <laughs> delightful technical problem. I swear Josh and I have done this before. Uh, putting our best foot forward. But, uh, Let's get right back into it. You're telling us story talons. battery talons. Yeah, yeah, so I had a customer. I told him to tilt it down, put it in the garage, and then he wanted to mess with it in the garage, so he tilted it back up. Well, the next morning, mm. he left bright and early in the morning to go fishing, opened the garage door up, but he never, he still had his talon up. He never put it back down, oh. and he drove out. Brand new boat. Never had been to the water yet. Brand new. It's right out, ripped it right off the back, you know, bent it off the back of the boat. I shouldn't say ripped it off, bent it off the back of the boat. Messed up the garage door, probably. Oh, yeah, garage door. <laughs> need a new panel on the bottom, you know, brand oh. new talon. Needed a whole new talon because the whole frame was messed up. Ouch. Oh, that's an expensive Never even mistake. Hit the water, yeah. yeah. 
did he did he still take it to the water out of spite, or did he call it? Did he, he wave the uh, white flag and drive right to you guys? He drove to us. We removed <laughs> it, and he took it out the rest of the day without it. So there you go. Please help me. Just <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, that was a that was a interesting one. Yeah, that's what what things do you see go wrong when you pick up a boat? That's one of them I never would have thought of. You know, it's a little thing. A lot of customers don't. You know, yeah. is the engine down or engine up when you hook up to it to pull it out of your garage? A lot of people trim it down to get it backed in there, and then all spring they go hook up, get ready to go fish and pull it out. It's still down. And all of a sudden they get to go all the driveway, and <laughs> takes off the skeg, you know. And I, had that, I had that little Jenga with mine because I got like a little uphill incline into a, a shallow or a not very tall garage, and the boat, the motor needs to be all the way down for it to get in the garage, but mm-hmm. it can't be, you know, you got to get it up and then get it over the incline. And, then, yeah, and I was like, this is nuts. I'm not doing this at four in the morning. So it doesn't get parked there anymore. It's got a nice garage to itself. Uh, Josh, what else do we got here? Oh, I know one that I wanted to ask you. This is like a dumb question that I don't even know the answer to. Say I, I bought the boat, uh, 1775 Impact, Mercury Pro XS on the back, the one I got from you guys. Can you take those types of boats to the saltwater? And if so, what should you be aware of? Absolutely. You can take them to the saltwater. Uh, Biggest thing is with everything is just a freshwater rinse afterwards. Run the engine on a freshwater on a hose like I talked to before. Um, rinse down the outside with nice soapy water, get all the salt out of it, rinse out your live wells, rinse out anything. You just got to do everything, all the touch, screws. And screws, everything, the whole boat. Everything bottom, air, that air touched Correct, kind yeah. of is how I think about um, it. Because salt itself is in the air, and like you say, it will get underneath little nicks and crannies that you don't know. So you literally need to start at the top, from top to bottom, rinse the whole thing out, um, take all your gear out, you know, just rinse it out. Yeah. The engines are meant to run in salt water. Um, engines probably know? the be- easiest maintenance. It sounds yeah, like just flushing it yeah. essentially and washing the outside. Because that what you it. just described would prevent me entirely from taking it into the salt. Yeah. You'd just be like well, every time you use it, and you're still not going to probably get every little no. screw. Something. No, because if it gets in a screw into the carpet underneath between, I mean, you can't 100 yeah. yeah. get that out unless you're going to pressure wash it every time. Mm. So, and then you're also doing that with your gear, your fishing Correct. gear, and your. Pardon my ignorance, but uh, I had heard at one point when you flush out your engine, you're supposed to disconnect the fuel line. Is that true? Uh, not necessarily, no. It's some of the new systems, doesn't matter. They had back flushes on them that, that cooled the fuel modules. Oh, sure. So if you did sometimes flush them the other way, it could go into the fuel module system backwards. But no, you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff anymore. Excellent. Learning all sorts of tricks here, Dan. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got another one. I'm going through the list of like, oh, what did I want to... Um, <laughs> I think we see this, so um, Josh runs a jet, and I've talked to you a little bit yep. about jet motors. Um, we see it a little bit with jets, and then we see it a little bit with uh, the prop motors as well. And Mucky water, sandy water, you know, you're running, and like there's a, a fine line there. How do you know when you need to flush it? How do you know when there's a, you know, obviously the motors, I think, got alarms on them at least. They got alarms did. and they got the telltale stream coming out the side, so I always call it the pee stream. Yep. So your engine should be peeing at all times. If it's not clear peeing, water, yep, clear water. If it's not peeing, obviously you got issues. Uh, water should just be normal lake temperature, not necessarily like extremely hot or anything. So if it is hot, you know, it's got blocked up in somewhere inside. Um, but for the most part, the engine has an alarm, and you know, it'll shut itself down on these new four strokes if it needs to. Uh, old two strokes, the biggest way was just your telltale stream. Make sure it's peeing water. Right. If it wasn't peeing water, shut it down. You know, maybe try firing it quick again. If it didn't come back, I mean, you really got to get it out and flush the system. Right. Okay. That sounds good. 
And again, uh, if you're a person who does a lot of that, you know, shallow water fishing, you should probably flush every time anyways because fine sands and pebbles and granules that you can't see can get their way in the system anyways. And if you let them sit in, you know, the, the engine block and actually get stuck in there somewhere because there's no water moving around, you can get yourself, you know, where you have a hard time getting it to not get up to temperature or overheat too easy because there's a black. I'd probably somewhere. say for most fishermen using a boat regularly, you know, you're going to be in shallow, muddy weeds, yeah. mucky bays. Like it probably seems, I think that's... That's like one note where I'm like, I probably should do more flushes mm -hmm. just throughout the season. Yeah, that or for sure when you get to the big deep waters, you know, open it up, get going yeah, hard, just do let, it. let the water force through the engine. Because mm -hmm. when you're going slow, it's the pump sucking it. When you're on plane moving, it's forcing water in. So it gives a lot more pressure. Oh, man. What else? What do we miss, Josh? Ma boat maintenance and winterizing. Same did we cover? Is there any big difference between two-stroke and four-stroke? Did I ask this he, question? He did ask that. Okay. I think that's okay. a jump. Okay. Not a huge one. Oil Not change. Oil change really is your okay. biggest. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I'd love to get into a little bit of kind of the, like looking at a new boat scene. You know, people that are going to come and work with you. Uh, and obviously we hope people do. But I think just in the general, like I'm buying a boat, you know, start with the basics. I'm buying a fishing boat. You know, how? what do you tell people when it comes to like, things to think about versus a new boat and uh, a used boat. We already talked about some of the, the little yeah, pieces. Yeah, it's more of the clean niche, I think, if you're, if you're worried about taking the first ding or not first ding. Um, you know, I try to read people, ask questions, you know, of like what they're planning to use it for, what type of fishing you do, are you family fish ski, you know, what are you using it for? I try to get on them before I try to push them into a boat. Mm -hmm. A, I'm not a pushy salesman, we're not a pushy no. dealer, no, we're family owned and operated, we, we shy from that. We don't charge fees. I mean, we're anal against that kind of stuff. So we uh, we try to treat the customer like your family. Uh, when you buy from us, welcome to the Feral family is what we say. Um, it's just our tagline with our business, and that's the way we do it. So Yeah, no bullshit. I mean, that was the same. I was a pretty grumpy guy talking about musky fly fishing on his showroom floor when I first met him. And mm. he, After you couldn't get your other boy, Yeah, you, you were, just, you were just like so. friendly and calm and, you know, hanging out. and be like, what can I help you with? You know, customers, if you treat them right and get yeah. them in it, don't push them. They're, they're more right to buy what they want and what they're going to use because a lot of customers try to buy cheaper than what they actually want because they, they're trying to save money to buy the electronics or something. And in the long run, they're going to be back in two years buying a new boat. Yeah, the first thing they don't like what is they the motor's too small. I know they tell you you want repeat customers, but I'd rather have you repeat in a different way, not coming back because you didn't like the first boat. And I say I didn't sell you the right boat or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, what do you normally find some of those to be, like not big enough, too normally, big? Normally not big enough. Yeah. Um, you know, I shouldn't say that family, normally not big enough, or like hardcore fishermen, not big enough. A lot of times, it's a lot of it is too, is when you get into older customers that are, you know, their friends are not fishing with them anymore. They just like to go jig fishing once in a while. They just, you know, they want something small to get out mm -hmm. in, but then they buy the 17-footer because their friend has it or it's got the options or they have the money to do it. And then you're later like, oh, this thing's too big. I can't get it in here. All right, you know. So there's kind of, it's, it's a reading of yep. them and just mm -hmm. making sure you're, feeding the customer to what they need. Yeah. What about like aluminum versus fiberglass from a fishing boat perspective? And, you know, tailored to what Again, you know about Wisconsin. where you're fishing. Right. I would say 90% of fish around here is going to be aluminum type fishing. Um, if you're a guy Lake Michigan, Winnebago, big waters, fiberglass is great. It breaks the waves better, smoother. Um, but to get into shallow areas, you don't want to be bumping off rocks with fiberglass. Mm -hmm. Where aluminum, you bounce off a rock, you're probably going to put a scratch in it, maybe a ding, you're okay. Aluminum or fiberglass, you're putting a hole in the bottom, you're not going to be yep. happy. That's what we 
I think for the type of fishing we and most of our customers and friends do, it's a lot of all over the place. Yep. A lot of like, oh, wonder what's back there. It's not a ton of just well, open water. Less maintenance. less maintenance. You don't have to wax it and yep. clean it like crazy like you do fiberglass. Yep. It won't etch into the, you know, like it would a fiberglass. So Yeah. Mm. And the new boats essentially are hard to rot and you know mold anymore the transoms aren't wood anymore um so all the all the cat like the, the components yeah and like the, i mean they're the, all yeah it's all way aluminum. better built so yeah. they last longer now mm-hmm. that's her nice i had one that had fully rotted wood that was, that was a project <laughs> we still see them all the time and it's every manufacturer you know they all have had the issue and they all put wood in and unfortunately when you put wood in with metal and Mm. glues and stuff that are not meant to be together they create corrosion naturally on their own and there's nothing that can be done from it Mm -hmm. what about you mentioned most people are you seeing i don't think you said most people but you see people kind of come back and wish they had done something else um talk about that in terms of like motor size and what you recommend should we if you're buying a brand new boat if you can do it should you be maxing it out absolutely yeah yeah so your best for performance for your, and resale performance resale i mean your best bang for your buck lund specific test their boats so they know what models run best on what boats um you know factories have it to a point where they kind of only limit it to certain engines now it not, it's no longer a broad category so you can only get certain engines right. Um, they come prepackaged from the factory. They're preloaded. So, I mean, we're putting electronics and stuff on. The engine's already on it. Um, so a lot of it now is just we max them out from the get-go to be done with it. You know, it's the easier way to do it. Like you said, resale value is huge right, with that. Right. It kind of, no customer wants to buy a boat that could potentially be underpowered. Mm-hmm. I think we run into that a lot, especially on the jet boats. Because yeah. they you get heavier and then it's, we, we, it's not really and clear. And the jet is a whole yep. different ball yep. game to get into jet engines. Because yep. mm-hmm. a, a 75 horsepower outboard is only equivalent to, I think, like a 40 horsepower mm-hmm. jet or something 60, like 40, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So it's not as much as you would think. Yep, we've run into it with several of them, just dialing that in and getting it right. And is this boat supposed to? Should it have a prop? Should it not? It's it's tough. They're sweet when they get them running because they go super skinny where none of our other boats can go. Flat water. I mean, you can go in in shallow water with some. Oh yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you can go on dry land for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It's terrifying how skinny those things go through sometimes. Um, I guess like we. This is just more fun for me, so it's not super. I, I don't look at it as salesy, but talk us through some of the cool Lund options, like especially you know our customer a little bit, musky focused, hardcore fishermen. You know what are what are you thinking people should consider versus steer away from? Like, big one is like you know. Should we just all be getting the Pro V musky? Because I know I want one. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you got the money and you want you want the best of the best, yes, you get the Pro V musky. Um, you know, as far as options go with Lund, I mean, Lund's kind of shying away from a lot of the majority options now. They make a couple quick-release brackets and cup holders and small things now. Um, rest of it, it's kind of like, you know, boat option factory. Just haul motor. But, yeah. yeah. So they've kind of gone away. It's more streamlined now. You're getting a boat, the color, you know, select a few options here and there. It's no longer, you know, nitpicking every little option you want to build on it. Everything's built in a package now. Mm-hmm. Um and it streamlines it for them, makes it easier for their stock. Makes it good for you guys too. You makes can it just, easier for yeah, us. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it comes to you know the electronics and the stuff we have to sell after the fact. Yep. You know, and a lot of it is whether we install it or customers provide it on their own. 
But the um, first most important decision is picking the right hole. Correct. Picking you can't add more rod storage. Usually no, you yeah. can't add. So yeah, and features is the hugest thing to look at, and, yeah. you know, and that's why I like to. Where are you at? Are you family fishing ski? I mean, are you seventy five percent going to be out as a family jigging and just skiing tubing? Because I'm going to tell you one that has a five rod, ten rod mm-hmm. setup. Mm-hmm. If you're the guy who's generally seventy five percent fishing. I'm going to probably sell you the one that has 14, 18 rods set up with a ski pole feature so you can do that if you want. Mm -hmm. Anything cool and new coming from Lund? I know a lot of, like, probably not a lot of turnover in the boat. Mercury, same. Adventure, they kind of did a remake on. A couple changes here and there with the side storage and some rod storage stuff, which was huge because that one was kind of limited on storage in the first place. So they kind of added more storage to it, really. Um, and the Alaskan changes here. Other than that, London change much. Yeah. Some new councils on rebels and stuff. What do you guys? What's the most popular fishing option that you guys see for your uh, in the Midwest in Wisconsin? You know, is it like anglers and impacts and adventures? Uh, the or? impact yeah. is the most popular by far. The seventeen and eighteen. Yeah, it impacts. seems like it's just being in it. There's a long list of all the things I want. Like well, the every boat your on bread and butter, you right? I mean, you. To me, that's your family fish and ski and, and i cross that an emphasis on fish too cross, like it's because yeah. there's the crossover which almost looks identical but has wide gunwells and that's your family ski and fish right. so it's again the smaller rod storage but more storage for your family fun less storage for your fish yeah. fun okay so it's kind of that whole cross package of it where the impact still gives you the option to do the family fun mm-hmm. but you've got unlimited storage for your fishing gear turns out our family fun is fishing kids buckle up <laughs> <laughs> Hey, There'll we do no that a lot. We get a lot of families. It's been cool to see how many people are buying boats just to go fishing as family together. Yeah. I mean, COVID really drove boating back into the market because boating for a while was slowing down. It was more just people going out leisurely and boating, and COVID brought it back together to get families together on the water boating. How have you seen that kind of play out? So there was like a spike, I imagine. Yeah, there definitely Supply was. chain nightmares, like everybody. W- There's went still a lot of people own a boat. Um, supply chains are mad. I mean, we can get product yeah, when you want. That's not now. an issue that's anymore. That's not an issue anymore. Um, but there's a lot of people that bought the boat. A lot of people bought the boat. The demand's kind of down a little again because so many people did. We're not at a point yet. I don't see a bunch of people selling that bought. So that's kind of good. That's a good feeling because yeah. there was always hesitant on how many people would buy and sell within the first two years of buying because they didn't know what to do with it. A lot of first-time um, boat owners yeah, to get into money. the market, which is So good. it's been cool to see that people are retaining them and using them and yeah. still going boating. Have you kind of speaking on trends in the industry, have you seen any uh, two that I saw that kind of look interesting? Is like I think there's that new Rotomax motor. Um, which is like that inboard, yeah, that's outboard. Evan it's like Rude's a weird thing. Yeah, I yeah. think it's either Evanrude, and then I think Evan electric motors. It. Like, yeah, where so do you Mercury see some of this re- stuff going? Mercury did release some new electric engines, so they did have their smaller seven and a half. I think it was before. Now they released a, like a nine nine and a fifteen. I think. Oh no, kidding. Um, those systems, I think, are going to be good. You know, like if we could get like a Hoover Sailing Club into all their boats to have an electric engine on them rather than running their gas little two strokes they still run, mm-hmm. a big facility like that, it would make sense for. But for an everyday person, I, you know, a sailboat, not yet. The, mark, engine, the tech is I don't not think there it's yet. Because in order to charge it, you got to be back at a port to plug it in. And unfortunately, the point of sailing is to be able to be out in the open. Um, so I think they're, you'd they're think built somebody would the crack that market, though, you know, like solar charging, and then I've always said it's got to be there. Yeah, you can charge your battery solar, you know. Yeah. So, and like just, you're plugging the boat in the night before, can you just get enough battery power, you know, 
we're trusting it with cars and trucks and spaceships. Like, like cars. I mean, how can yeah. we can have an alternator on a gas engine charging a battery, but you can't have one on an electric engine that right, regulates right. how many more second times per second and there's how many per tire and whatever else to create. Mm. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, you got to imagine that's going to happen in the next <laughs> yeah. decade at least. Technology's there; yeah. it's just not yeah. public yet. Probably. The cyber truck of boats. <laughs> Did you see <laughs> the cyber truck add-on though? He's no. got an add-on that you can buy with the cyber truck. I don't know how much, and it turns it into like a Wisconsin duck. Yeah. What? <laughs> uh huh. Oh wow. I know. I've always wanted an amphibian. That would be so cool. Yeah, it would be. Pull or like, to, pull there's up like to the, the lake in your truck and just drive right. <laughs> the guys that have like, like modded their old Chris Crafts <laughs> yeah. into them, and you're just like, that's that's hilarious. Uh, what else we got to cover, gentlemen? Anything we missed that you wanted to plug on on boat boat buying experience, boat maintenance? No, I mean all I can say I is we, cu- we got a lot of it. Yeah, buying from us is we'll treat you like family. We'll get you in there and get you into a boat you want, not something you're just tempted to buy because your friend has one or has a bigger one. Yeah, and you, I think what I loved about it too, and just to, from my perspective, having done it with you guys, is it's it's like nonchalant, but in a very positive way because you're not getting breathed. Your neck is a customer walking yeah, through the sales floor. Yeah, it, you're you know? not coming on. I don't hey, push you every it. two no. seconds to get back to me. You do after the fact when it's like, <laughs> hey, I need the paperwork. Your boats <laughs> be ready, which is great because you want yeah. that. You want it to be like, all right. But let's you know, get this I, done. I just try to make it so the customer feels comfortable too. Yeah. You know, and you got all the options. You're not like I think. People, you'll hear people talk, well, he's just trying to sell me the boat on the floor, but I want this one. And you're just like, hey, I'm, just pick out the best one. We're going to, you guys are confident. It's like you're confident in your you, abilities. You know? Yeah, you don't have to scrape by. For well, I think, it, you know, being family owned helps. Uh, yeah. I understand my product. I understand my inventory. I research it. I know it. So many businesses nowadays are ran by people who are never in the office and their salesmen are just told to know the product, but yet they're given no resource to product. And that comes back or, in like how it's rigged. Or yeah. not saying you need to learn this to sell it. You know, mm-hmm. we're I'm seeing a, that I'm with a, a lot salesman of and I'm a family owned business. So I don't have to rely on a salesman, unfortunately, to train them and go through that. It's all on me, but I can give every customer now the, you well, know, the and attention. The, they but need. back to the family part too. It's not like you get the sale like at another boat dealer and you're the salesman. So you're done. And you're yep. just like, God, the guy in rigging, he's, he's a little loony. He, I honestly, the whole I thing is 75% of my sales customers. I'm their first call back when they need a service or anything. Even though I give them a card and introduce them to Madeline right, and right. say, here's your next contact. You need service, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm happy to help you. Yeah. I'll get you to who you need. But, um, well, and you guys I, have I the experience to know what to look out for. We've seen yeah. some other, like how it gets rigged and then it's shorting out or you, you know, and think- we, we do that. We send our techs, we're just at training for it yeah. really last week again. So, I mean, they're constantly at training for it. You know, I'm in the shop all the time, keeping an eye on things. I don't micromanage. I don't do anything. I just yeah. walk back, have fun, talk with the guys. I buy them lunch. We just have fun and it's a fun workplace. So you yeah. try not to be, you got any, you still got that GL in there? Yeah, we got the 219 in there still. That's a Mm. sexy beast. Yeah, that's a pretty cool boat. (laughs) Maybe maybe we'll swing over one of these days and check it out. Yeah. Jen would kill me, but that'd be sweet. That thing's got a dance floor up. 400 on the back, too, I think. (laughs) And a 15 kicker, ready Mm. to go. Just need electronics. Holy cow. Just need to sell more bucktail, I guess. Yeah. Um, what else do we have here, gentlemen? I think we covered it. I think this was really good. We had a lot of folks asking us. I know we had questions just about some of the basics, the, the maintenance, the winterizing. Yeah, it's not the sexiest topic to ever, but it's like, yeah, we will. We will. And yeah, and thank for. you to Andy for coming on, joining no us, problem. coming over to Monona. 
if you guys are in the market, there's a lot of places to go to get a boat. There's unfortunately a lot of places to go to get a boat that do not take care of you anywhere as much as these guys do. Ferro Marine, Lund, Mercury. What else you guys? What else am I missing? Hurricane deck boats, Godfrey pontoons. There you go. They got it all, folks. They got it all. Uh, we're big fans of it. We're going to keep working with them as far as we can see, and uh, we hope they do too. Yeah, thanks for oh, coming. We appreciate it. And we'll keep you on the water and fishing. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Another episode of Spot Burn. Thanks, everybody. Remember to like, subscribe, send us comments, questions. We appreciate all the support. We'll be back for another one. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Spot Burn Podcast. Coming to you from the dungeon, this podcast is presented by Muskie Fool Fly Fishing Co. We want to thank our awesome sponsors, Cortland Line Company and Stealth Craft Boats. We also want to thank all of you, our listeners, for tuning in, subscribing, sharing, and spreading the good word. If you haven't heard, go check us out at muskyfool.com. Have fun out there on the water, y'all.